Yes, g'day, and thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of the Duck and Rico's Red Dirt Podcast. This week, broadcasting from Coldies at McGrath's Hill, and we'll talk a little bit more about Coldies in a minute. This week, we'll take a look back at the mysterious Black Mountain just out of Cooktown. Shazza is back to tell us why emu farmers can't keep up with the demand. It's certainly going to be interesting. Um, I didn't know there was emu farmers, but there you go. Uh, and she'll tell us all about that. And um, we also want to talk about building your four-wheel drive and, make, and building your four-wheel drive to suit your needs. And we might even uh, chuck in some funny or disastrous camping trips. We've all had them. I know I've had a couple of funny ones and a couple of ones that didn't turn out all that good. Although they're all good anyway, it doesn't really matter. We'll shoot the breeze. We'll talk anything about the Australian outdoors that may come up. And more than likely, we'll get sidetracked as well. So kick back, spend some time with us two knockabout blokes. We'll get into it right now. Rico, g'day, mate. Hello, mate. How are you travelling? What about this, Rick Coldies at McGrath's Hill? How good is it? Well, mate, anyone who's listened to me on the radio over the years knows that um, I've, uh, I'm a mate of Coldies and he does a lot of work on our four-wheel drives down here. And um, I said to him, mate, why don't we just do the podcast down at your showroom? What about we're right at the counter? Yeah, so the didn't. customers are walking, so look, just be warned. <laughs> he didn't think we are going to take over the whole show. Well, what will happen is you'll hear you'll hear blokes on the phone in the background. Yep. We've got Craig here, who's uh, one of the gurus, and uh, taking all the job orders. And then we've got the office girls out the back, and we've got the blokes out in the workshop, so you'll be plenty of tools. And if Coldy comes in, there'll be plenty of swearing. Yeah, I know. Well, we should have warned Coldy about that. Yeah. I don't know where he is at the moment. He's probably just asleep under a car somewhere out yeah. there. Keep the bloody language down, mate. Yeah, so, um, I mean, Coldy, it's a wonder he's here, actually. I mean, he spends a lot of time just lying around doing nothing. Yeah, well, look, yeah, so. man's got to do what a man's got to do. Yeah, that's it. But, I mean, isn't it a great joint down here? Oh, I love it here, mate. It uh, doesn't matter how many times I come, I still wander around and have a look at all the little bits and pieces. I'm I'm a big gadget fan, so I'm always looking for that next new accessory. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coldy's, um, he's uh toy shop, we call this. Yeah. Coldy's <laughs> toy shop. And uh, it's not too bad. He's got plenty of goodies here. So if you want to know what we're talking about, jump on his website, coldies.com.au, and you'll be able to check it all out. But it doesn't matter what you're into, whether you're into your four-wheel drives or you need things for work, like you trays and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, looks tool, after a lot of tradies. Tool, toolboxes, all the gear. He does all that. But, mate, what about, we'll get into the showroom a bit later. What about the gear in here? Yeah, mate. CB when radios, I, um, camping gear, all the, everything. When I had my Ranger... Uh, Coldy looked after that for me as well. So after the trips that had come in here for a pre-trip and post-trip inspection, mm. make sure that everything was A-OK for the next one. Mm. Well, I've actually known Coldy for about, oh, maybe over 20 years. And uh, I've got to say, for a bloke who started out fitting tow bars out of a ute, because that's initially what this post was for, tow yeah. bars. It's certainly grown uh, beyond that these days. It's um, it's big business. And uh, and he's uh, he's basically catering for the for the tradie mainly, but he looks after the four-wheel drivers and... Um, I've had a lot of work done here, obviously, and, and um, he's done some stuff with us. But one thing with Coldy is he's a very generous bloke. I mean, if there's, if there's someone doing it tough around this district in the Hawkesbury, Coldy's the first to put his hand up. He'll organise fundraisers, put his hand in his pocket, get, rally the troops. And um, yeah. and he's been getting into that um, running gear out of the farmers as well. He's been loading up his trucks with a stack of gear and uh, supplies and running them out um, to people who need it. And... Um, how good is he, it? He's the first How bloke to it? do that. So I said to him, mate, we'll come down, we'll do the podcast from down here. And although it doesn't really mean much, you know, it's still the same podcast, but the fact that we're here, we can talk a bit about him. So if you're out there and you need some gear for your four-wheel drive, give Coldy a, a shout. Mate. Yeah, so support the people that are supporting the other blokes that are doing it tough. You've got to love that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, mate, um, this week on the podcast, oh, what about last week? How good was it? Out there on the coast? Out yeah. Out the best, our second oh, week. Mate, it was, our second week on the road. It was very hard to take. Yeah, absolutely. It was... Uh, I'm happy to make a habit of this. Yeah, it is good. It's uh, it's not too bad. I mean, in fact, I've 
We'll have to work something out, mate, because I'm off to Adelaide, then Perth for next in the next few weeks. So that'll take, put the pressure on. Yeah. But, um, mate, um, but it was good out there, and uh, and it was amazing. The feedback's been fairly good from people who uh, who listened and heard us you know, doing it from down the coast. How'd your mate go from um, Camperact? Well, he's probably listened to himself what. Oh, about a hundred times, oh, yeah. at least, at least, at, at least a hundred times he's listened to himself for sure. Yeah, I think he's ready to start his own Facebook page, mate. Is he? Yeah, what's he going to call that? I've got no idea. Being on podcast. <laughs> so, mate, this week we're going to talk to Shazza. We'll get her shortly, and um, we'll give her a bit of a buzz. Um, she's going to talk about emu farms yeah, struggling to keep up demand, and the reason for that is, and it's funny, you know, you, and you would have seen it yourself. I mean, out in the bush, you see emus absolutely everywhere. Yeah, especially in South Oz. Yeah, mate, everywhere. They are I mean, like flies. Mate, around Hungerford. Have you ever seen them at the fence there at Hungerford? Yeah. I mean, like, it's just amazing. You see the things absolutely running around everywhere. But there is a, a reason that these farmers, the blokes who do farm them, is the emu oil. Have you ever used emu oil? I've heard of emu oil. Mate, I emu, can't say well, that I've used well, it. Well, I'm telling you, next time you get a bit of an ache or pull a muscle or something, rub emu oil into it. Right, eh? It fixes it. Really? Oh, mate, it's good gear. Mate, an old mate of mine, Nipper. That was his nickname, obviously. Nipper, um, and he got that nickname because we, we used to go fishing, and every time we went fishing, he'd have to pump for nippers. Got to pump for nippers, so we nicknamed him Nipper. And uh, he could have, used could have been worse, I suppose. Yeah, he used to swear by it, mate. So um, oh, there you go. Yeah, the old emu oil. So we'll get the latest on the benefits of the emu oil and the fact that the farms are struggling to keep up the demand of the emu oil. Oh, I reckon it'd be hard work. Farming Which emus, they, mm. those birds just don't have a brain. Yeah, no, exactly. Now you also want to talk about. Um, Mysteri- the Black Mysterious Mountain. Mysterious, Mysterious Black, Black Mountain. Mountain. Get it right. Yeah, yep. and, uh, the Black Mountain National Park just south of Cooktown up there. That's uh, If you've ever passed it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's certainly a very interesting place, and there's a lot of spooky stories surrounding it. So, really? Yeah, okay. yeah we'll right. chat about that. We'll talk about that. Now, mate, you ever had a, a disaster on a camping trip? I think everybody has. Oh, look, definitely had my share of disasters. Mm. Um, you know, had a few funny ones as well. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about those later on. That'll be good. Yeah, if you get it, if you got any of those, just uh, send us an email. Where do we send that, Rico? Info at ricoandtheduck.com.au. Yeah. Yeah, so have you got any funny camp stories or interesting ones? I mean, I've got a couple of good ones, which we'll get into. One's a beauty. I haven't had too many disasters. I have seen um, plenty, especially when you know when they get caught in weather and things like that, and or leave gear at home or drive out and leave something oh. very very important at home. But I've never I've never had too many. Disasters, but certainly have had some funny ones. Run out of bourbon once. That was a disaster. Yeah, well, mate, you know, I guess it would be for you because you don't drink anything else apart from that cider or whatever it is. What's wrong with that? No, nothing. You're judging me. I'm not judging you. Yeah, you are. Anyway, we'll get right into it now then, eh? We'll do the, um, we might as well do your thing up near Cooktown. All right, well, let's do that. Okay, we'll get into it. Go, Rico, look at that. (laughs) Give me a round of applause, mate. Oh, they love it. They love it. Okay, mate, so tell us all about um, the mysterious Black Mountain, Cooktown, yeah. Queensland. Mate, so a few k's inland from the, the beaches of far north Queensland, there's a mountain there, and it's not like any mountain you've ever seen before. Instead of peaks and cliffs and, you know, all the usual stuff, it's a huge piled-up mound of slick black boulders. Right. And you can see this thing from a mile away when you're going up the road, mm. and, you know, as you get closer, you're thinking, what on earth is this? Mm. And you get there, and that's exactly what it is, just a mountain, and a literal mountain, of slick black boulders. So these huge pitch black clusters of boulders can be seen. You can even see them on Google Earth. They're sticking out of the green surrounding landscape, so it really does stand out from quite a way away. Now, while it's a national park, so it's called Black Mountain National Park, your visitors aren't necessarily 
uh, enticed or invited to go and check it out. So, or even approach the mountain. There's a lookout just off the road, and that's as close as they suggest that you get. So within the mountain itself, there's plenty of gaps between the rocks, and they lead to twisting tunnels and caves, and they go deep down into the earth. Or at least they think they do, because very few people have ever explored the caves and come out alive. Really? Absolutely. Mm, fair enough. So known to there, goes, there goes Craig from Coldies, one of the Craig, gurus. Keep up the Craig good work, Roberts, mate. if you're looking for something, just give him a call. Give him a ring down here at Coldies, ask for Craig Roberts. I think he's got a sore back from carrying everyone. Yeah. Oh, well, no, job, well, there's mate. another bloke out there, Rob Coley, who we'll get into as well in a moment. Yeah, I saw him walking earlier. Yeah, right. And Rob, um, yeah, mate, he reckons what he does. But anyway, go on. So known to most as Black Mountain, the place has had a long and storied history, even before Europeans arrived in Australia. So the traditional owners of the land are the... Eastern Kuku Yalinji Aboriginal people. Jeez, I hope I said that right. Mm. Um, and they know the mountain as Kalajaka, which literally translate as place of the spear. So while the mountain's better chronicled legends have been told by white Australians, the, uh, the indigenous people will definitely know better than to go near or too close to the mountain. Since the arrival of white settlers in the area, there's been plenty of stories told about disappearances on the mountain. So the first of these dates back to 1877, when a man went out towards Black Mountain on horseback looking for a stray calf. Now, widespread searches were conducted and neither the calf nor the horse or the man returned and no trace of them was ever found. A few years later, a criminal named Sugarfoot Jack. That's a great name. Mm. Sugarfoot. Sugarfoot Jack. And a few of his companions took refuge near the mountain after a bit of a shootout. And again, an exhaustive police search could find no trace of them. So you start to see a bit of a pattern forming here. I know what the pattern is. I won't be going there. <laughs> a constable named Ryan was one of the next legendary victims of the mountain. He was trafficking a fugitive with the help of a couple of local trackers, but the trail ended abruptly at the mouth of one of the mountain's many caves. Ryan stepped into the cave to try and find the fugitive, but never came back out. So none of the others in the group, the trackers, were game enough to go and look for him because they knew better. The list of disappearances goes on a pair of police officers, one of whom disappeared and the other made it out alive, but he was driven insane as a result. Two cavers and the trackers who were sent to find them afterwards, even a backpacker. The only person whose body has ever been recovered from the mountain, and they, they thought, well, actually, the, the cause of his death was unknown. They couldn't figure out what actually killed him. Mm. So that's, that's pretty bizarre as well. A bit creepy and spooky. So while it's obviously pretty hard to find solid evidence for any of these disappearances actually happening, the locals tend to believe it. With a place like Black Mountain, it doesn't seem unlikely. If you've ever been there, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. The mountain's also crawling with snakes, spiders and bats, and the cave within the mountain most certainly contain you know, sudden drop-offs or pockets of bad air, all sorts of nasty stuff that's out to get you. Many people report feeling of anxiety and fear when looking at the mountain, and it's strangely unnatural seeing seeming formation of boulders. The wind and the shifting of the boulders is said to create an unearthly noise, sounding like moans or mournful cries. Pilots that pass over the mountain have also reported strange turbulence and magnetic disturbances, so now most pilots even avoid the area if they can. So that's saying something, I think. So definitely something odd about Black Mountain, just probably never know exactly what it is. Uh, I don't think I'll be going in there any time soon, mate. No. It's not my go. Yeah. And, uh, have you been past it? Yeah, I've been yeah, past I think it. I have too. I think we were past it a couple of years ago. Past it, stopped at the, the lookout, uh, went for a, a bit of a wander towards it and then thought better of it. Yeah. It's uh, definitely snaky-looking country, that's for sure. Yeah, right. But um, it really is some sort of weird anomaly. It's just bizarre, yeah. really bizarre. So there you go. That's uh, that's the mysterious Black Mountain just up there out of Cooktown. I'd uh, love to know if you guys have seen it and what you thought. And uh, 
Yeah, send us an email if you have. I mean, that's uh, unbelievable, really. Any other spooky places like that around? Oh, mate. Look, there's there's one not far from where we are right now. Oh, yeah? A weird place called Magnetic Hill. Yeah, Magnetic. Have you ever been there? Yeah, yeah. Mate, I've been there. Yeah, it's a grayish vale towards Bowen Mountain. Bowen Mountain, Mountain, and the can rolls back up the hill. Yeah, well, is that a car? There you go. Yeah, you drive down, you just put the car in neutral, and you reverse back up. Mate, do it at midnight. See how you feel. I haven't been up there for years, but... It's not far from here, and it's actually, I think, an optical illusion with the way of the land and yeah, the layout of the land is yeah, around it. Is. I mean, there's not exactly a, a magnet at the top of the hill pulling your car back up, but it actually feels like you're rolling back uphill. Yeah, bizarre. And it is uh, It is very, very, and I'm sure plenty of people around this area in the Hawkesbury would know it, the old magnetic hill. Yeah. So there you go. But there are plenty of spooky places I'd, around. I'd love to see what's inside that Black Mountain. Yeah, well, good luck. You'll yeah. be going there on your own. No, I won't, by won't the be sound late. of that. Won't be me. I've done plenty of caving things over mm. the years with the show, and uh, uh, that that's one I'll be saying no to. Yeah, well, I'll be. Uh, I'll wait for you at the lines den. How far from the lines den is it? You know. Oh, probably not too far. Yeah, I'll wait there, the lines den pub, and um, if you don't come back, I'll be waiting for a while. <laughs> there you go. If I'm not there, start without me. Yeah, exactly, mate. So, uh, all right. So there it is, the mysterious Black Mountain up near Cooktown. If you've been in there, you can flick us an email about that. And uh, there are those sorts of places. That, I know, love those stories. I think that's great. Yeah, well, mate, when was the last time anybody went in there? Has anyone ever actually been in and out of there or not? We don't know. Well, according to that, no. But uh, right. they reckon a few people have tried and failed to, to go in and do some exploring because mm-hmm. it's just too much of a labyrinth. Yeah. And when you when you see it, you'll understand. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, I won't be, I won't be going in there. No, that'll do me. You can go. <laughs> like I said, I'm the Lion's Den man. I don't mind it there. You've been there? Yeah, I have. Yeah, not bad have there. Good steak sandwich at Lion's Den. Yeah, good pizza there too. Not bad beer. It's all good there, mate. <laughs> Especially after you've been up the Cape for a while, come back down that way. Yeah, beautiful. Stop at the line. Oh, it's a great part of the world, isn't it? Yeah, it is good up there, mate. It's getting a bit warm up there now. Oh, it'd be lovely. And uh, but uh, like we say, they've got the beer flowing there. Very cold, mate. Camping. We've yes. all like, we all go camping. Funny camp stories. You got any that stand out? I know I've got a beauty. Oh, I have. I've got one actually. Um, yeah. We're up the Cape. Yep. Funnily enough, just talking about being up that part of the world and. Um, we were at Fruit Bad Falls and we decided to, to camp there for the evening. Mm. So we'd been down and had a bit of a swim, you know, into the Arvo early evening, come back and had a bit of a feed and sitting around a fire later on at night. And I don't know if you've ever camped there, but there's basically rows, sort of like a car park. And, uh, and in between the rows, you've got a whole bunch of trees and stuff. And the next row across, there were uh, a very amorous couple going at it. Really? Really. I mean, really going at it. Um, she was having a good time, right. real good time. Right. What were you doing? Uh, we're all. I sitting mean, there, mate, seriously. We're all sitting there, uh, sitting around a fire, having a bit of a giggle to each other, mm-hmm. and uh, and a bit of a drink. And this went on and on, and uh, you know, finally, she she let everybody know that she'd had enough and she was contented and, and quite happy with her lot in life. Well, that's sort of story I was thinking about. To be no, honest, no, I said but funny. Uh, but uh, you know, at the culmination of all of that, everyone in our in our uh, little campsite. Let out a big round of applause and a cheer. Oh, and, uh, man, this is how embarrassed they were. <laughs> well, we got a thank you from the fella, but we didn't hear anything from the lady. Yeah, no. She would have been spewing. Oh, uh, i tell you what. She wasn't holding back. Mate, we were camped down the river one day when we had ski boats and all that stuff. Anyway, we left the boats tied in. I had a small leak in a cav plate, which basically overnight the boat had sunk. And the boats tied up to another boat. So basically what happened in the morning, I mean, where's the boat gone? What, are you kidding? You know, we're trying to... Shine a light on it, and uh, it's um, 
you could see the uh, colour of the seats in the water. I thought, oh, you've got to be joking. Shit, when I get this out. So well, you could imagine it was a fair job. We got it out and um, we used winches on the four-wheel drives and things like that to pull it, you know, help help with getting it out. And we had bilge pumps going and all that. Wait for the tide to go out a bit more and all that sort of stuff anyway. So this is back in the... There was no phone. There was no, no phone service or anything like that. So it was back in the day when there was a few more phone boxes around. So there's a little shop not far from where we were, well, probably, you know, 20-minute drive, where there was a phone box. So I thought, I'd better ring a mechanic and get him to come around and, and get it. You know, get, come and get the, the bloke. It was actually the bloke I bought the boat from. And I thought, he might as well get it and strip the motor down and, you know, do whatever we've got to do to get the thing going. Anyway, the whole week was about... Practical jokes, and one of the biggest practical jokers I've ever met is this bloke standing here, Dave Coley. He's unbelievable. If you ever get a strange person ring you, <laughs> right, you can blame him. So anyway, the whole week had been about jokes through the night and day, and it was just full on. So we go around to this phone box, and I'm in, I'm on the phone, and and I go into the shop and I buy a drink, and I'm all that. And everyone kept staring at me, and I thought, wait, what are these people looking at here? I mean, you're kidding, aren't you? I mean, and everyone, I'm looking at me in there, sort of like smirking and little bits of, you know, giggles and things like that. And I couldn't work it out anyway. So, because we'd been at it since, you know, before the sun had come up. And this is around lunchtime now, by the time I'm around this shop, you know, to make the phone call and, and buy a drink. When I get back, and we back, and then we thought, oh, we'll have a, you know, a couple of beers. And then I mate, if you looked at yourself today, I said, well, it's a bit hard. I mean, there's no, not exactly many mirrors around here. And they said, well, you better look at the mirror in the, on the door of your car. Anyway, mate, I look beautiful, mate. I had the eyeshadow on, the lipstick. <laughs> I'd been done through the night while I was asleep because obviously we went to people were pissed. Oh, that's golden. <laughs> and really pissed. And um, that sort of explained it. So that was probably pretty funny. I mean, that was. I mean, I've seen some other ones. I've seen people, some setups that you think, mate, you are kidding. I've seen where we were camped up on the coast one time. Uh, we're beach camping, and uh, these uh, people turned up. Uh, I'm not going to go right into it, but they weren't they weren't um, your traditional Aussie campers yeah. that way. And uh, there's another job for Coldy, the phone ringing in the background, and um, they set up gazebos, and everything was new. All the gear had the tickets on it. It was all brand new. Nothing yep. had ever been. They was they were taking the tents out of the boxes. Everything was brand new. They must have been to BCF or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And just bought a whole heap of gear. And then got to and just drove straight there. Everything was brand. Everything was brand new. Now they set up about three of those, you know, three meter by three meter gazebos and had them and you know all set up. The only thing is, they didn't tie anything down. Now we're on the we're beach camping, <laughs> so you could imagine when the breeze came up late in the day, and the brand new gazebos were flying through the air like kites. So eh? like, and we're it just, was on. you know, we're sitting there. And I mean, we did, we actually forgot to tell them that you probably should tie that down, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that's what happened. So that was pretty funny as well. But uh, that's a crazy. And that would have been a disaster trip for them. It would have been. You know, we were going across the desert once, and and we had an intern with us, a young bloke by the name of Tom. So if you're listening, Tom, hello, mate. How you going? This this is story about you. Um, Three days took us across the desert. Tom would not go to the toilet at all. Mm. He was scared of the dingoes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the old, you, you don't you don't drop on near where you sleep and you obviously go for a bit of a walk with the shovel and, and do what you need to do. But mm. man, Tom Tom wouldn't do that. By the time we got into uh, Birdsville, straight to the nearest toilet for mm. poor old Tom. We didn't see him for an hour. Yeah, no, you wouldn't have. 
Yeah, no, it, uh, mate. Some people, uh, mate. Some people uh, won't do that. They're not keen on that sort of thing, are they? Ah, uh, doesn't bother me too well, much. What we're going to do is, mate, we're going to give Shazza a ring, right? We're just going to ring her cold, right? And we'll find out about this emu oil and stuff. So let's yeah. do that right now, and uh, we'll, we should get her the phone. I'll start ringing here. Emu farming. Emu farming. And here we go. Come on, Shazza, answer the phone. Oh, hang on a minute. We'll just get. Um... Okay, Shazza, you there? Oh, it's a bad line. You there, Shazza? I am. Yeah. Oh, that's not a real good line, but we'll push. Uh, we'll put up with it. You're straight on to the podcast here. We've just rung you, Carl. How are you going? Hey, I'm good. Sorry, this is much the depth of our Um, yeah, but we'll battle through hopefully. It's a terrible line. I'm not sure where you are. Where are you? Um, so I am in Repton at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just having a meeting to get money. Right, okay. Um, We're going to have to call you back because yeah. that line's terrible. We can really can't hardly hear you, to no, be honest. It's terrible. We'll, we'll try Repton. and ring you back. There's no phone reception in Repton by the sound of it. Just give us a second. We'll call you back and we'll see how we get. Let's see how we go. So we'll just try that again. But, um, mate, isn't it funny because Repton's right at Coffs Harbour, so you would think there'd be some sort of phone service. So yeah. we'll try it again and see how we go. The person you are calling is not available. Oh, and there it is. <laughs> We're going red hot here, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, uh, very good. We'll come back to it. Uh, we'll come back. No, we'll just give her another try here. I mean, this is the pod, This is the good thing with the podcast. And that's her calling. Hello, pa- hello, Shazza. Hang on, we'll just bring her up on here. What's going on here? You there, Shazza? No, I'm still shocking. It's a terrible line. You're going to have to get somewhere when we'll ring you back, I think, because the line's really bad. All right. Are you on a Bluetooth or something? You're not on Bluetooth? Hold on, is that a bit better? Oh, that's a little bit better. We'll try that. How are you going? Is that one right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Where have you been? Um, um, so I've been, um, we've just had a, a meeting to do with our honey business. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but obviously in the little rural town of Repton, so <laughs> not yeah. too much reception. Well, hopefully it went sweet. Mm. It did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dale's still in there having a chat at the moment. But is he? Yeah, good time. Uh, I'm yeah. sure it's a hive of activity. <laughs> it definitely is. Okay. I got a million of them. None of them are good. Have you told Dale? Have you told Dale that I'm uh, actually marrying you? Well, do you know I did a bit of research. Oh, did you? On this, um, on this whole marriage celebrancy, you mm. know, how you actually become legal. Mm. So what you can do is literally, it's like a online online as we thought it would be. Mm. So you can either do it in six months or you can go for five days. Oh, go back and uh, hold the phone where you were a minute ago. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so what is that, six months or what? Or you can go six consecutive Saturdays. Right, Saturdays. And then and then you're done. And then you sign papers and you're Right, okay. Sounds all right. The line's still very, very dodgy. So okay, so I, so it's going to take me either six months or six Saturdays to be licensed so I can be the marriage celebrant at your wedding. Yeah, that's right. What did your dad say? Did you run it past him? I did. I yeah. did. Yeah. He reckons it's great. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> sure he does. <laughs> did, did you tell him he's got to pay me pay me in beer and steak? Yeah, that's right. That is no no problem. Oh, I hope they got a few Maybe. cows in the paddock, geez. Oh, how good yeah, would it be? a few cows. Look, we're chucking a little. Maybe a few chickens. 
I think that's a good deal. Mm, no, no, fair enough. All right, well, let me have a think about that. Now, look, talking about chickens and birds, Bush you're, you're going to talk about emus and tell us that emu farming is under pressure. Yeah, it is at the moment. And look, I mean, have you guys used emu oil before? Yes. There is a bit of yeah. a hype surrounding it. Yeah, well, I've used it. It's no, good I stuff. Haven't. I haven't. So it's great. I mean, Australians, obviously, you're not using it for traditional purposes. But to be honest, it's only really recently that we've seen science really. I, I think we're going to have to let you say so this, this line's terrible, eh? We can hardly understand a word you're saying. Try and stand back where you were. Um, Not real good. Yeah, you know, you know what it's like in the bush. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, that's right. And this is real. I mean, if, <laughs> yeah. we're, if we're on the radio yeah. now, we just hang up and, and just go, well, look, we'll just try and get it back and clean up the line. But we don't do that here. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. You, you've had to do that for us when you were working with us on Ruthie's a few times. I have. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we just hung up and that's it. But mm. I noticed Colby's out yeah, yeah, cleaning the windows with his tongue at the moment. Have you seen that? <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah. we're actually at, we're actually at Coldies at McGrath's Hill at the moment, Shazza, and um, we're oh, um, beautiful. Yeah, you know, I see Coldies out licking the windows, just give them a bit of a clean. <laughs> anyway, so go on about oh, the emus. So the the emu oil, I've used it. Yeah, and the good thing is you can treat it like you can treat what things with it. So generally, you can pop it on body bites, eczema, psoriasis, sunburn, and it's an incredible healer. But the really um, big business in emu oil at the moment is actually treating inflammatory conditions like arthritis. Really? You know, Crohn's, IBS, it's incredible for arthritis. And this has been backed as well by uh, university research. Yeah. It's good um, stuff. It so works on muscle aches and stuff. It does. It's mm. incredible. And also, they've actually found, so a study by the Adelaide Women's and Children's Hospital has actually found that the oil can promote repeat of damage intestines after chemo. So, this is pretty incredible stuff that, you know, we're, we're being able to, to harvest from, from emus. So where does the oil come from? So it actually comes from um, the back fat of the emu. So the emu to be able to harvest it. Um, but, you know, along with, you know, you're not just killing the emu for the oil. You know, you can get the feathers, the leather, the meat as well. So... Yeah, so, you know, you can get a lot out of the emu. Um, but the thing is, at the moment, because of the drought conditions, I don't know whether you guys but actually consume between 9 to 18 litres of water per day. So, you know, they're pretty thirsty sellers. Um, mm. But also, you know, as you know, at the moment, being drought conditions, the price of seeds for them is quite high. Um, you know, and back in the 1990s, there were so many emu farmers because there was the promise that emu was going to be the next beef. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. So the numbers declined and now there's less than 300 farmers. So, you know, because it's in high demand, uh, also from huge pharmaceutical companies, um, you know, that are wanting to put it in beauty products for anti-aging. So maybe get on that one, Duck. Yeah, I reckon um, so. Well, mate, well, mate I, I, I might just go, and, I'll just go and buy a... Um, I, think, I think that ship sailed, mate. No, but, you know, go and buy a block of land. Out. <laughs> might be a bit too late. No, no thank you for your support, Chaz. I'll tell you what I will get on to. I might get into farming them. I mean, you, the things are everywhere when you drive yeah. out in the, in the outback. Absolutely. And, you know, people are getting actually quite good money for this moment as well. It's about $140 per litre of oil and that's, 
you know, they're in high demand. So it's a great thing to get into at the moment. But, yeah, who knew? The oil is, you know, they're saying it's even 10 times better choice. Well, there you go. So, have, you ever, have you ever tried emu, eaten emu? I haven't eaten it. So I, I'm pretty sure it's kind of the same as, uh, as kangaroo in the sense that you've got to be really um, careful when you're cooking it. Uh, because if you do overcook it, it, it can be quite tough. Very tough, yeah. Um, I've had it at uh, at the Parachuna Hotel as a part of the roadkill platter they do there. Uh, yeah, was it? Oh, I wasn't and, a fan. And, yeah, I don't think I would be either. Were, they have it on the menu at Arcarula too. And what kind of a flavour would you say it is? Oh. Like, it'd be strong, yeah? Like oh, it's, it's, it's definitely its own flavour, but... Um, it's sort of like a cross between chicken and kangaroo, I suppose, is the best way to describe yeah, wow. it. But, but I didn't like the texture. I didn't like the smell. I didn't like anything about it. Yeah, okay. Um, well, at least, at least the oil. I mean, yeah, that's, that. that's intriguing, and, um, isn't it? Yeah, the emu oil is good stuff. Yeah. I've got a, like I said, I've got a mate of mine who swears by it. And I'm, in fact, it's good if you, you, know, you pull a hammy or do you know, some sort of a muscle injury or your back, get the old emu oil, and well, it works a exactly. treat. Exactly. To me, it just sort of yeah. just, it begs the question, you know, if you get almond oil from almonds and you get emu oil from emus, where does baby oil come from? Mm, that's not oh, a very good one. It. Oh, come on, mate. I mean, no. fair. <laughs> <laughs> sort, of putting up with this, sort of I'm putting up with you, Shazza. Uh, look, everyone oh, else here is loving it. Loving it. I well, know. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're, and they're pretty interesting little creatures. One thing that they end up doing, they actually swallow small stones and they actually stay in the gizzard and it helps them to grind up the food. Really? So they're pretty, yeah, they're pretty crazy creatures. And also in these drought conditions, we are finding, you know, farms are getting about half the amount of eggs that they normally do because what the emus do is they realise that it's drought. They won't actually lay the egg. They'll reabsorb the egg uh, to save the nutrients. Wow. So they're pretty smart yeah. then. Yeah, they are. I don't know. Have you ever seen them near a road? I don't think they're that clever at all. Yeah, well, they don't know what cars are. Yeah. And trucks. You wouldn't want to be chased by one, though, to be honest. <laughs> no, I mean, they're quick. That would be pretty terrifying. They are quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, yeah. How, how much water they drink a day, what do you say? 18 to 20 litres a day? Yeah, between 8 to 18 litres. So 18 litres. 18 litres. So, That's a lot. Yeah, they're, um, they're pretty thirsty buggers. Mm. But in saying that, you know, even though it is drought conditions, they are pretty hardy, but still they do require a little feed. And you know, a lot of water, so mm. yeah. Eighteen litres a day is massive. That's yeah, almost exactly. as much beer as I'd drink on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Mm. Now, but listen, yeah, guys, get onto it if you have any type of inflammation or sunburn. Yeah, or I'm going to get some emu oil. Yeah, it does yeah, work. I, I can tell you now, it's good stuff. I've used it. Now, listen, Chazzy, you're up there with Dale. How's the wedding? I how's am. the wedding plan going? Is it planning going? Well, I'll tell you what we were doing on Tuesday. So, Dad had an excavator there and a few trucks, and we were getting um, from a part of our land, and they did about 100 truckloads of fill um, to build up the hill for the ceremony. Right. So, it's all happening. Because then, if doing that now, then Dad can, um, you know, throw some seed down and have the grass, um, you know, nice for, for the ceremony next year. So it was a big day for them on mm. Tuesday. So, yeah, so it's all underway now. That's getting all, it all, planned, all happening. Well, I better think yeah. about this. I better think about this um, this uh, celebratory thing. I'm not sure. Celebrate <laughs> thing. I can't see you doing six Saturdays in a row, mate. No, no, I might have to stretch it over the six months. It's a big bloody commitment. 
But right. yeah, six months. I mean, once you do it, then you can marry everyone in a Oh, yeah, we'll just see them lining <laughs> up. Get married by everyone the duck. Everyone will be knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that most... Yeah. Uh, when they say, uh, what are they, what's that thing they say at weddings? Oh, if anyone objects to this happening, speak now or forever hold your peace. Yeah. Will you be a little bit nervous right. at that point when, when, when that's asked by whether it's me or somebody I, else? Yeah, to be honest, I think so. Because yeah. you could get someone just pop up, you know, out of the crowd and say, don't marry him, Dale. Don't marry Dale. Yeah. <laughs> marry Dale, me. Dale said to Dad the other night, he said, you scared what the groups that are going to say in their speeches. He said, I, I think you'll be regretting saying yes to me marrying your daughter. That. And <laughs> I said, well, you'll, I'll already be down the aisle, so it's a bit too late then. Oh, then well. the reception. <laughs> All right, well, nah, but he's a good bloke. Well, you want to hope so. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good one. Uh, okay, fair yeah, enough. So we're, yeah, we're organising everything with the honey at the moment. And, um, yeah, it's exciting to, um, you know, to, to have our beautiful beautiful honey out of the marketplace soon. Yeah, so, we'll give it a plug for yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And I'll we'll get people to give you a buzz. Pop on your post in the morning. But we'd, expect some, we'd expect some jars of it down here. Don't worry about that. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Especially Very if we're plugging it, Rico. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the lines yeah. a bit the lines a bit dodgy, so we won't let you go. But good luck up there, and it's good to see you home. I bet your uh, your mum and dad are happy you're home. Yeah, they are. They're um, and it's great to be experiencing mum's amazing cooking. So, oh, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> she's, she's a top cook. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good stuff. All right, guys, we'll take chat. it easy. I'll chat with you soon. We'll talk to you next week, eh? All right. See you, Shazza. And that was Charmaine Perry, our own version of Shazza, on a very dodgy phone line. I think maybe we get Dale on next time. We should get Dale on. Yeah, we'll good ask idea. A few, ask a few hard questions. Yeah, we'll get him on. What are these stories you're worried about, mate? So, Dale, no, we'll just say, Dale, how the hell did you uh, land Shazza? <laughs> so, um, but anyway, he must have something because he's a, he's a good catch. <laughs> he must have something. No, I mean, I'm not like that. I mean, your mind's in the gutter today. Fair dinkum. Oh, no. No, he's a good catch, mate. No, she's a good catch, so uh, he's got something going for him, mate. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, no, he's a good bloke. I've actually met him. He's all right. So um, good luck to them, and they'll be very happy up there. I think they're going to live up there full time, mate. That's a good part of the world. Oh, there's worse places to be, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, especially around Coffs Harbour and at mid-north coast oh, in New just, South Wales. It's just gr- gorgeous. Brilliant. Yeah, Look, absolutely. Speaking of happy, I'm absolutely stoked that, it's this time of the year now. Daylight savings has started. Yeah, in some what, parts of the country. In some parts of the country, yeah. Um, I've got some mates in Queensland who, who like to call us clock fiddlers. Mm. But uh, for me, this is the best time of the year. What do, you, what do you think? Are you a fan of daylight savings? Yeah, look, I am. I was a, I was a huge fan of it when um, I was sort of working in, you know, somewhere where you're... I mean, I work from home now, so it's a little bit different. But, I mean, I know... Look, I am a fan of it. You can get a lot more done in the afternoon. I was going to say, when you get home from work, well, now I'm just there, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, I am a fan of it, and I mean, it goes down. You notice you eat a lot later, especially as it moves along. I yeah. mean, winter time, you you know, you're into it, you know, fairly early, uh, you know, tea at night. But I mean, as the summer rolls along and it's still daylight at eight o'clock, they're just cranking up the barbie. Yeah, that's right. So you're a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm a fan of it. I think I think most people are. Oh, I'm a massive fan, mate. Go down the river for a swim in the Arbos after work, or yeah, it's or, or duck over the local for a couple of cold ones. Yeah, just it's, fantastic. Yeah, it's a good time of year, and yeah, I am a, I am a fan of it. I know a lot of people aren't a fan, aren't fans of it. Even people that live here and put up with it don't like it. Yeah, I I mean, there's, I there's a lot understand. of stupidity around it. I mean, I, the old the curtains fade and all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> hello, 
Yeah, they're out there, mate. Don't worry. Mm, yeah. They are out there. Yeah, the cows don't get used to it. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a cow wearing a watch. <laughs> I'm sure the cows couldn't give two hoots. No, I'm sure they can't. But anyway, so, um, but yeah, no, I'm a fan. I think it's a good thing. And, and you'll see, especially out here where we live, I mean, you see a lot of people making use of the river of that, you know, late in the afternoon and early evening with the ski boats and jet skis. And well, it's good because on a Friday afternoon you've got time to get away, mm. get to your campsite. And still set and, up. And be set up before it's dark. Yeah, no, exactly. Doesn't and, get any um, better than that. You know, it is good. And I mean, look, it, at the end of the day, it's if, if you if you don't have it, I know like in Queensland, in parts of northern Queensland, it's light at like four in the morning or something. Yeah. 4.30, oh, you know, I mean, it's, and I mean, it's just, hello, you've been better to have that sunlight at the end of the day and rather right. while you're asleep. Yep. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of people do get up there. I, I get up at 4.30 every morning, not about you, but... No, not quite. Not yeah, quite, but um, no. I don't know what that is. I've just been so used to it and I still... But I only get a bit at midnight and wake up at 4.30. Yeah. It's just the way it is. But anyway, but no, I'm a big fan of it and I think uh, I think most people are. It's part of our life now. I notice now it's it's more or less six months of the year now. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, mate, I love it. It's just... Uh, I suffer through winter unless I'm north. Mm-hmm. And, and this time of the year, just rejoice. Yeah, it's, the best part about winners are fires. Camp, yeah, that's true. Campfires and fires in the shed and fires wherever else you're lighting them. That's the best part. This is the first winter I've stayed at home for a while. And uh, tell you what, it's been a long one. Yeah. yeah well, it's warming up now. Although they reckon this weekend, and uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, but this, the weekend that we're about to hit, mate, is going to be 14 degrees here. <laughs> we get the firewood back out. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, so, uh, no, it is good. I, and, and you are right. I mean, we were camped. Down at Wiseman's last weekend, and it was good down there. The old daylight savings kicked in. Yep. No, we mate, weren't just, really just looking at the clock too much, though. Especially especially a couple of blokes. On, on, you know, a couple of the blokes thought they'd sit up and see daylight savings through. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm talking big time. They sat up drinking till the sun came up. No, I couldn't do that anymore. No. Too old for that shenanigans. Anyway, I don't want to give anyone up, Dave Rampling and Gleeso and... Uh, and whoever, or John O from Candos, you blokes are kidding yourselves. Even yes. a pig knows when it's full. Yeah, go and have a hard look at yourselves. Well, I saw a bottle of bourbon come out at one in the morning as I was heading off. I said, oh. it's too late for me. And they said, oh, we'll just knock this off and go to bed. I said, see you later. Anyway, they did. Two of them sat there. with a litre bottle. Yeah. Too many crickets. Yeah, into it. So, uh, but uh, that's what it's all about down there, mate. And uh, There was one bloke down there who's um, Jimmy, his name is. He's from the Central Coast. And uh, he's part of our jet ski team that we have going down there. He's got beer on tap at his van nice. at Wiseman's. Anyway, I went up and had a couple of schooners, and it was some craft beer, but it was a Mexican craft beer. Yeah. And I'm not really into that. I'm a Tui's new man straight out, you know, yeah. but I'm not really into those fancy craft beers. There's nothing worse than when you go to a Christmas party or something in the city and they produce the Italian brews or the design label beer. Look, I know it's for some, but for me it just tastes like shit. <laughs> I'm an old school to his new man. Anyway, so he's produced this mix. He goes, have one of these. And I thought, oh, man, it's not really my go, you know. Anyway, I've got to say, I'm not sure what the brand was, but I know that Jimmy listens to this. He can t- he'll send me a text and tell me. Mate, it was beautiful. It was like mother's milk. It was inc- unbelievable. It was cold. Yeah. Come out of the keg. You need to have a chat with Sean, my cameraman. He yeah. is a massive craft beer fan. He actually runs a Facebook page called Crafted. Yeah. Uh, and he's in the process of putting together a TV show called Crafted. Yeah, right, okay. All, sorry if I've let the cat out of the bag there, Shauno. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think it was a secret, actually. <laughs> nah. I was talking to Shauno. He said it was a secret. No, nah, not anymore. Well done. So, that's a good, so, yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm, look I know it's uh, look, it's everyone. For, I'm a dinosaur, and people say, mate, pull your head out of your ass, duck, you're kidding. 
live a little bit. That's yeah, just me. I'm used to it. But I did try it, and I'm not a I'm not a big Corona fan. I know it's pretty popular, and everyone puts the uh, they put the old um, lemon in it and all that yeah. stuff, and that's all good. And look, any beer's all right when it's icy cold. But I've got to say, when he said it was some sort of Mexican craft beer, you know, I thought, oh, mate. Well, isn't Corona a Mexican thing? Yeah, it is. But this yeah. was a craft version of it. This was like made okay. somewhere. Some brewery where he gets it from. He had the keg gear and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, mate, it was beautiful. I had two of them. Oh, and, I mate, if I didn't have to put a jet a, uh, a battery in the jet ski and a set of plugs, I probably would have had three or four of them. And As, as and a non-beer drinker, that's when I get jealous is... There's such a world of beer to discover and explore. Mm. Mate, there's heaps of brands out there. Oh, squillions. More mm. than you can count. And, yeah. and that's sort of what got me into looking at ciders because there's so many different types, different brands, different you know mm. parts of the world. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll try that and see how that goes. And I found a couple of absolute <laughs> corkers. I've, I've come across some shockers as well. Yeah, they, they don't make it up here at Bilpin. Yeah. Out this way. Yeah, that's pretty good. They've got a few varieties up yeah. there. Yeah, mate, it's not my go. I mean, I know people that do drink it. I don't know too many blokes that drink it. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sorry. I mean, look, they're probably I know plenty. People, mate, you're not hanging around the sort of blokes I knock around with. No, no, that's right. I mean, they're all geriatrics beer, and well, bloody dinosaurs. Beer drink, well, beer drinkers. I mean, hello. I mean, I just walk. I mean, I just could not walk into a pub. I mean, I know it's. I, I just. I know it's a good thing, and I know it's. It's people love it, and it's sources for causes. But I'm just not the sort of bloke that could walk in the pub and say, "G'day, mate, a schooner of cider, thanks." Just wouldn't sound right coming out of my lips. Oh, fair enough. It's just my sort of bloke I am. I yeah. walk in, mate, mate, make it cold. <laughs> but, you're happy to drive, you. but you're happy to drive around in a Navara. Yeah, I know, but it is souped <laughs> up a bit. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is uh, and, mate, it's, it's, it goes well. It's, it's, a, um, it's not exactly standard. I like it. Oh, that's good. It's set up for your purposes, and that's the main thing. It is set up for my you know, purposes. I, I, I use that as a bit of a joke. But, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not one of those blokes that's a, a Toyota or a Nissan person or anything in particular. Whatever it is that gets you out now, there. You know what got me that? And, I, and you own it and you're loving it, then that's tops. It wasn't that. I, it wasn't at all anything about that. I would get a Toyota. I was not, I'm not a, I, look, at the end of the day, I'm a Ford man. I've really? always been a Ford man. Uh, I'm, I'm another um, man. And, and we had Ford cars and all that stuff. For me, it was about what I was getting for the money and what I wanted it for. And... Um, I thought a V6 Navara was um, was pretty good, and that was what. And obviously, the one we have, you know, it's been chipped and it's had the exhaust done and all that stuff, and it goes pretty good. It's been tuned and all that. Yeah, it's the turbo diesel V6, not yeah, not yeah, the yeah. Well, we've got we've got three of them now, so we've got two turbo V6 turbo diesels, and we've got the petrol one. But the petrol one, I would drive that to, I'd drive that to Ayers Rock and back tomorrow, mate. It is so reliable, good thing. It's done a lot. We've done a lot of miles in that. Uh, not the most an economical thing on the road, but <laughs> no. in saying that, it's not as expensive to service and all those other things either. It's actually, if I did the sums, it probably worked out fairly even, you know. But uh, mate, it still goes well. We're actually about to uh, sell that one. Yep. Um, but we've uh, we're going to convert it all back to a Ute and and sell it. But we've just uh, the young bloke just got himself a V6 turbo diesel, so we'll um, and and he, he found the right one he wanted and with the right money, so he's he's got that now, and we'll um. We'll swap some things over from the other one, and, uh, and, off, and we'll, then we'll put that on the market. But that was what it was for me. It, it wasn't because I wanted I wanted a Nissan over a Toyota. I mean, it was just what what I could have got for the money at the time. I thought, yeah, you know what, this isn't bad value, and and they mate, they're a comfortable thing to drive. That one I've got it's the five fifty, so it's got the all the luxury bells and whistles as well. Yeah, and it's got the grunt. It's got plenty of grunt. Yeah, and uh, mate, I pulled that big caravan with it, which is I'm not sure the weight of that. 
off-road vans, a lot heavier when I load up the water tanks. Yeah, it'd be close to three tonnes. And, um, mate, it pulls that, no dramas at all. Yep. Yeah, you know, so, um, and, mate, that's, that was what I wanted. Obviously, we had the suspension done here at Coldy's. We, um, obviously, I've beefed the suspension up. We've changed a lot of things on them, so they're not standard. Yep. Which you've got to do. Mate, I'm, I'm driving this week, uh, which I just picked up on Monday, no, Tuesday, a HSV Sports Cat, which... Um, I know you're not necessarily a big fan of, of the Holden four-wheel drives, but I've got to tell you, this thing's been very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Um, uh, again, I guess it's 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 standard from the factory, but it's got a few option boxes ticked. So it's had the, the walk and short tune job done on it. So yeah. it's 600 newton metres of torque, which yeah. is very handy. Yeah, that'd be real handy. Uh, they've upgraded the front suspension, so it mm. lifted that up an inch. It's got 285s on it from standard. Mm. And I'll tell you what. It, it goes real good. Yeah. Real good. Yeah, well, you see plenty of Colorados towing big vans. Not so much of the big off-road ones, but you see plenty of them. I think, and we're going to talk about four-wheel drive builds. I think if you're towing anything, um, I think, you, listen to the, how busy you here at yeah, Goldie's. I mean, the phones are just full. There's blokes walking in, customers, yeah. there's phones ringing. Craig Roberts is all over it. Rob Coldy's out there, probably just annoying people. Have I told you a bit <laughs> about Rob? There's a story I've told a million times. I can't tell it enough. He went to McDonald's one day for the drive-thru. Yeah, I've heard this one, yeah. Right? And for some, for those who haven't heard it, I'd be very shocked because I've told this many, many times on the radio. He goes into McDonald's and asks for two free whiffies for the kids. I mean... We should get him a sign for in here. Free yeah. whiffy. Yeah, oh, mate, he's copped it for that for years. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, can I get two of those free whiffies for the kids? Uh, you can imagine yeah. the girl behind the counter the singer, mate. Who's this moron? Yeah. I mean, fair dick. Go, go back to your cave, dinosaur man. He was in a pub at Penrith one night and he saw Tap and Go. He saw the sign when the Tap and Go first came out. So, you, you know, rather than pull out the card out of his pocket and tap on the ATM machine, he tapped his schooner on the tap <laughs> and walked <laughs> off. And they said, mate, where are you going? And he goes, I thought it was a promotion. Uh, fair he income. thought it was a two-ish promotion, so he's ordered a schooner of two-ish new. They've poured the beer. He's then tapped the beer glass on the beer tap and walked off. It, it begs the question, doesn't this it? He's working on your cars down here at Coldy's. <laughs> <laughs> How is he built such a successful No, business? not Dave. No, Rob. Rob, no, 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 no. See, Rob's Rob's name isn't really Rob Coldy. Right. Right. So you've got Dave who owns Coldy's and you've got Rob who works for Coldy. Ah, uh, there you go. Right. Now, we call him Rob Coldy because he's always here. His name's actually Robert Palmer after the great singer, and um, who's no longer with us, by the way. No, that's that was right. a bit of a shock. But um, so yeah, so so his nickname's just Rob Coldy, although he's not a Coldy. He's not. I mean, thank God, I bet Coldy's pretty happy about that too. I can yeah. tell you just quietly. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I mean, Rob's you know a great bloke, but the peeping toms are breaking into his house to call, pull the curtains closed. Um, so I don't think. The original Coley was, you know, too unhappy when he found out he wasn't related to Rob. Oh, uh, very good. But I'll tell well, you, you never what. Know, though, do you? Let me tell you something about Rob, though. You won't find a better bloke. Do anything for you. He, he does not know. The, the word no is not in his vocabulary. Yep. Anything you ask, mate, can you give us a hand with this? Yeah, mate, what time do you want me there? No, he's one of those blokes, unbelievable. He's just never, he might say no to me now that I've, once he hears this, <laughs> that we've just hammered him. Again. Yeah, but uh, no, we've, uh, no, we're a pretty good mates. He's a good bloke, and we've travelled a bit together. He um, he chickened out on the Cape. He came to Birdsville with me a couple of times, and I've got him out of the bash. I think he just got back from the Denny Youth Muster himself. Thanks very much for the start, Rob. I mean, I did get you a couple at uh, 
Big Red, anyway, and then we were going up the Cape, but I think he chickened out on that. But uh, no, he's a great bloke, just very, very funny, very old school, very old school. Like your good self, mate, oh mate, you got no idea. He's dirty that his four wheel drives with electric windows, <laughs> mate. He like is that. old school, mate. Yep. He's, mate, his mates, I think his brothers even worse, took the air conditioner out of the car because he didn't want it. Didn't believe in it. Oh, there you go. Oh, mate, you've got no idea. You, you've got to wonder. I mean, there's. I mean, there's a border borderlining. It's really bordering on stupidity, to be honest with you. But anyway, but no, he's a good bloke. But well, anyone um, who does any outback travel won't be pulling the air conditioner out. I'll give you the tip. Yeah. So with this thing you're driving, so what if you want it? You'd still have to do some mods to it, though, if you wanted to go oh, touring and pull a Absolutely. van and all that. Oh, you got to do that. And we're going to talk about that today a little bit. Well, look, the, uh, the, in regards to modifying your four-wheel drive, there are a few must-haves for me. Yeah. Um, the first one is, is some frontal protection yeah. because it's just it just makes sense. It's sensible. Yeah. Anyone who's been out. Past the Great Dividing Range, west of that, will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, the chance of a of a an animal strike out there increases the further you go. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's not a, a possible thing. That's it's going to happen one day. Mm. You know, I've hit plenty of my time, so I I would hate to think of of going out there without some sort of decent frontal protection. Uh, the other thing would be a dual battery system so I can run the fridge. Yeah. Because the days of going, you know, for weeks on end out there mm. with an esky, come on. Not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. So you've got to have some way to keep the tucker cool. Yeah, I think the other thing too, which is a dead set certainly for me, is suspension and tyres. Yep. Um, I, I mean, you, you look at like, the young blokes just bought this other D40 V6, and the reason we've gone that way is because of the V6. And I mean, these days, I think what you get Namrock, that's a V6. Yep. I mean, there's not too many out there. So you've got to look around and find a good, a good second-hand one. And uh, he was lucky, the one he's got his hands on is an ex-company car. But well, I drove it the other day, it's like a car. Yeah. Just stock standard. I mean, you always you always step down into it, and um, so you would not take that anywhere too serious. So the first thing we've done is no. um, is ordered uh, suspension, bull bar, and things like you say, you know, and uh, and tyres. I got onto that today as well, um, and I mean, but there for me, the first thing, and you mentioned the, the dual battery system. Um, Mate, that's got to be a must, I think. You oh, don't want to be, be. Run, you've got to run fridges these days. I mean, the days yeah. of running esky and ice on big trips is all over. No. I mean, if you just go and camping, you know, sure, go and get yourself one of those cooler boxes from BCF or somewhere. If you ever cool, throw some ice in it, it'll get you by. But on the big trips, yeah. got to be a fridge. Got to be a fridge. Now, my, my tip, if you, if you are in the process of, of buying a car and, and building it up, is do the suspension last, I reckon. Make sure you put everything on it that you're going to put on it in terms of extra weight. Mm. So if you're going to put a bull bar, rear bar, canopy, dual battery, fridge, winch, all of these things that weigh a lot, it pays to know what the what's there so you mm. can make sure you're matching the suspension correctly. Well, see, in our case, that's right. Car. In normal cases, that what you're saying is right. But in our case, we know. Because yeah, we've well got two of them. Well, if you've already built one, we're yeah, fair enough. Well, the homework's yeah, been so, done. It's yeah. not, not a problem. So we know. So that's why we've already gone, okay, let's get the suspension organised but Let's the, get this, because we was, know what uh, we're going to be up for. When I was working in the four-drive shops, that was one thing we'd come across a lot. Mm. You know, someone come in and get a, a two or a three or four-inch lift for their patrol or something, mm. and three weeks later go and buy a bull bar and put a winch on it and then come mm. back complaining the suspension sag. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Hello, you haven't spec the right coil for the weight you've got on the vehicle. Mate. Yeah, no, that's right. That's why it's good to come to places like Coldies, because they can tell you what you need. They say, what do you want? What do you want to do with this thing? Yeah. And then the boys here will say, well, hang on, you need this, you need that. Yeah, there's um, definitely no such thing as one size fits all when it comes no, to suspension. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, and tyres, like you said, is also a really important one as well. Um, I remember a trip we did. We were going from Mount Isa across to Alice Springs across the Plenty Highway, mm. and uh, we were twenty thirty k's into it, 
and it was pretty corrugated and it was pretty rugged. I've, I've definitely been on worse tracks, but it was uh, it was not comfortable. Mm. And uh, all the guys that aired down do the appropriate pressure. So for me, I think I was running like 26 or 27 PSI. Yep. Um, and that was doing a really good job. We had two cars come towards us on the radio saying, mate, turn around, go back. We've done four tyres in 50 Ks. Mm. I said, oh, yeah, what'd you air down to? What do you mean air down? Uh. You know, so to have decent tyres mm. makes a big difference. Yep. No, I, I, I just think it's a must. You want at least all terrains, light truck tyres. Light truck construction I mean, the, the, is the yeah, go, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the tyres that come out on car standard these days, are they're good for buzzing around on the road, but the minute you want to go and do anything like that, um, they're just not going to cut the mustard, are they? Yeah, that's right. This HSV that I've got's got decent tyres on it. They come with Cooper's standard. Yeah. Uh, but that that's the exception, you know. It's a HSV. It's not you run another mill, you know, Colorado or Triton or Ranger or something like that that does come with... You know, let's be honest, fairly rubbishy tyres. Mm. Well, not really, but they are if you want to do oh, what we do. Yeah. They're good for the road. Of course. They're road tyres. I'm, I'm talking about outback trips. Yeah, of course. Know. Yeah, I mean, I would. Even, yeah. even bush trips where you're likely to come across, you know, tree, tree roots and yeah, rocks, and, rocks and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. They make very short work of a sidewall that isn't tough. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, no, so that's a... And I think I think you, you, you need to set your four-wheel drive up to what suits you. I mean, that's the big thing. I mean, like, draw systems are good. Yep. You know, it, it, look, we're not saying you need to do this if you want to go forward driving, but if you want to, you know, get into it and start it, the first thing you need is a, is, a, is a card to pay for your diesel. That's the most important part you'll need for any four-wheel drive. <laughs> and if someone as, else supplies that card, all the better. But as you go, I mean, you do add things to it and you just add what you need. I mean, we, I mean I've got a water tank in mine. We've got long-range fuel tank. Yep, long-range fuel tank's um, always handy. Yeah, absolutely, because... No, that was carrying Jerry's on the roof. Yeah, that's right. So, um... I mean, we can carry. A, I mean, well, we can carry a lot of Jerry's, if we're, depending on whether we're towing the trailer or the van. I see, got Jerry yeah. holders on them as well. But, but we've got two on the back, two Jerry cans holders on the back of the car. But yeah. we've got the long range tank, which is handy, um, but uh, as well as uh, a rear bar with a spare hanger off there as well. Another thing to consider when we're talking all of this is is all this weight adds up pretty quickly as mm. well. So you've got to keep an eye on, on your vehicle's GVM and yeah. know what that is in order to to remain legal and remain safe. Mm. So, um, and look, I'll be honest, a lot of the four-wheel drives that I've built in the past to do what I do have all been right on GVM, mm. you know, and I get in it and it's over. Mm. It's, and, and they're not outrageous, but, mm. you know, these are the things I think that you need mm. if you're going to be doing extended touring, things like rear bars, like drawers, mm. like a roof rack. You know, yeah. it's all handy stuff. Mm. A lot of it's lightweight. I mean, I've got a rack on the roof now, a flat rack, which I've got here at Coldy's, which is a Rhino rack. I say a light thing. Yeah, they are very yeah, light. Yeah, they're good. I mean, and it's just a flat rack, so, but good enough to throw a couple of swags on or a couple of extra sp spares or whatever. Yep. So, um, no, they're know. good, those racks. They're nice and low profile, so yeah. they, don't, they don't make a whole lot of wind noise either. And Yeah, no, that's it. And they're very versatile. You can buy a whole bunch of different attachments to put into the channels on mm. top. So you can, uh, you can set it up to suit your needs. So whether you're Carrying a kayak or you know a mountain bike or like mm. you say just a couple of swags and chairs. Yeah, all the attached with that one up on the on the roof there with all the gear. Yeah. So what here you can't see this with people listening uh, at home, but Coldy's got a um, a rhino rack set up onto the onto the wall of his showroom, and it's got all the attachments and all the gear you can get on the rack. So there's a yeah. push bike on there, a couple of gas bottles. Yeah, jerry can holders, yeah. gas bottle holders, shovel. So they're all how the, good is it? They're all the accessories that you can get. Shovel holder on the side. Yeah. They've got the light bar light on the front of it. Front. It looks good, doesn't it? Just yeah, go and put cracker. that straight on that Colorado you're driving. 
Oh, that bike, Off you be, go. that bike could be wasted on you, mate. Oh, oh mate, please. <laughs> be, be wasted on me too, just yeah, quietly. Get on the bike, mate. Yeah, so, but, but think about it. And we thought we'd talk a bit about that today because we are down here at Coldies where they do do this sort of thing. Yeah, so, and, and um, this, this is a fair bit of what I used to do for a living as well, mm. so it's it's a bit of my background too. Yeah. You can hear the phones going I in the background there, good is it? Still yeah. busy, look, the time of day here, and um, the phones are ringing hot. Oh, mate, you wait till this podcast goes out, they won't be able yeah. to keep up. Yeah. Oh, the whole, well, like Coldy said earlier, he said the whole four people um, that listen to it will be wrapped. I said, what have you found three, have you? <laughs> Leave my mum alone. Uh, I said, where'd the other three people come from? <laughs> I thought, oh, that's right, I did listen to it four times. Yeah. But anyway, no. no it's going good. gangbusters. It's going great. We're getting emails every week and getting people coming up and telling me how much they're digging what we're doing. So that's good. It's really good. Yeah, that's it. And uh, our man Roger over there in Kalgoorlie, works in Kalgoorlie. He's from Esperance, but works at Kalgoorlie. He's got all the blokes and girls in the mines listening to it. So it's yeah. all good. So, um, well, just going back to, to vehicle setup things, uh, I had a bit of a chat with my mate the other day who's got a, an Univar, an NP300, and he was torn whether or not to go with the canopy or leave the hardback mm. on, the, on the back. Um, my argument was the canopy has to be the way to go. It just mm. gives you so much more space that... Allows you to throw some drawers in there, then throw things on top of the drawers. Uh, what do you reckon? Oh, man, 100%. I wouldn't leave it hard top. I reckon that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of those hard lids that you're talking about, the hard yeah, lid. Yeah. Mate, I'm not a fan. You can't put anything in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm much the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. I don't know. I think they're more for show. And, and, and if, look, if you're carrying tools where you're not going to exceed the height of the tub, sure, you can lock them. Yep. Yeah, they're very secure. For things that, it depends on again, depends what your what your application is. What are you using the thing for? So I guess they have the use. But for me personally, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I don't, I think canopy's the way to go as well. I mean, once you put one of them on, you can't put the dog in. Yeah, it's just so much more usable space. Yeah, happy with the dog be locking him down with the mate. In you get bluey, and then pulling <laughs> the hard lid down and turn it and locking the locks. <laughs> He he'd wouldn't knock, be too happy when you let him out. <laughs> no? He'd knock his head on on the way in. Oh, he would not be happy. But you now I'm not a fan of those. No, I'm a, I um, and that's where the young bloke is at the moment. Like he's got this Navara that he's just bought, and he's thinking about launching the tab, the tub altogether, and putting a tray on there. Yep. And not, and but just keeping it the same size of the tub, and then putting another canopy on top of that. You know, like an aluminium canopy yeah, and, and well, building up, which that's he's sort of in. In two minds, I know what the cheaper option will be for him. Swap yeah. everything over from the other one. Well, look, I'm in two minds as well because I'll be getting into a build shortly, um, and I'm deciding whether or not to go with you know traditional fiberglass style canopy or mm. ditch it all together and go with a full custom aluminium job. Yeah, well, I was lucky with that one I'm driving at the moment. It had just about everything on it that I would have put on it. Yep. We were blessed, and I, and I yeah. was tired of looking. And, well, the and that's a great tip, you know. If if you can find someone else who's already sunk all the coin into it, mm. happy days. Oh mate, he grab it. And, and oh mate, he was a great bloke, and he listens to us too. He, that we bought it from, and he, he sends messages on the page, you know, like, oh geez, it's not the same car I had, you know, and all this stuff. <laughs> Certainly but, not now. But it, but it completely did, different. It did come with a lot of the gear already. I mean, it had the dual battery system. It had the yep. solar panel neatly. Everything was done very, very neat. Yeah, well, I had my um, solar panels done here by the team at Coldy, and they yeah. did a great job on that. Yeah, well, this, this was all done. And then he had, um, it had, um, it, like I said, it had the solar panels. And it had the, the ARB compressor mounted with the switch inside. Yep. And the airlines all done. Came with that. Had a, I wanted a tough bull bar. It had one. How much time and money does it save when you can find something that's already yeah. been done? Oh, mate, for sure. Because, mate, I reckon, mate, to be honest with you, you can you can spend upwards of 25000 once you sort of start it rolling more. 
Oh, easily. Sink, you yeah, know? Easily. And a lot of folks will think that by doing all of this stuff, you're adding value to the price of the vehicle when you go to sell it. You're not really. All no, you're, you're doing not, is sort of maintaining what it might have been worth if it didn't have that stuff. Yeah, you're not. You're not. You, yeah, that's right. It's very, very. It's. it's yeah, that's the thing. You don't you don't really get it back. And another thing which I think a lot of people, which we'll talk about one day, is insurance. Because when you go to insure your vehicle, you need to make sure that you can um, you've got all this stuff covered. Yeah, well, look, I've got a couple of stories there as well. Yeah, um, plenty of people. Th- thankfully, mine are, are not horror stories. Mine are, mine are good stories, uh, where where all our stuff was covered, um, uh, which is very very rare. Yeah, you've got very to make rare. sure you know you make sure you check that out because not many people know that they just think yeah, well, she's insured. My FJ Cruiser, you remember that? Yeah. So we had the supercharged V6 in it, full exhaust, had um, different injectors, intercooler, everything you can think of, the roof rack, the drawers, wheels, tyres, suspension, navigation, That'll all of this stuff. That'll be my phone. I'll just turn that off. That's another case of beer, mate. This, you, yeah. You're red hot. This is I don't one know a week. why that's done that because it should be uh, still running this, through our machine here. This is one a week. You're, you're going mm. great. Oh, it's good. It's real. And you know what? My, my FJ was insured for $95,000. Mm. Thankfully, I never had to make a claim, but yep. um, you know, if if it all went wrong, I could have gotten a payout and gone and bought another one and built it up exactly the same. Yeah, well, and that's and what that's, you want. That's very reassuring. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. That is that's exactly what you want because you don't want to do your day and have to go again. Oh hell no! Because you keep coming, and that's if you got the money. Mate, I, I had more into the vehicle and accessories than I did into the vehicle. As a stocker. Well, you'll find that a lot of these vehicles, especially some of the old GUs, they're still worth big money. Oh, absolutely. Because of all the gear on them. Oh, I'd have one in a heartbeat. Yeah, huge money. You see them, you see some of those old GUs, like 98 models, for 40000 Yep. Big money. Oh, that's what they're asking, and they're getting that, getting and close getting to it. it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's incredible. And uh, I like the, the thing I've got to say, though, some, some of these blokes that are selling these four-wheel drives, they post the photo of the thing with the wheels in the air, the suspension working to the max, <laughs> I've had a great time. Now it's your turn. Yeah. You think, mate, you've got to be kidding, haven't yeah. you? Who's going to want that now? <laughs> I mean, <Jim>? nothing. <laughs> you've got There's to... a tip for selling your four-wheel drive. Don't use the photos from out in the bush. Oh, mate, he's, yeah, I mean, it's one of the days, mate, it was driven by a little old lady to the shops, one owner, <laughs> you know, re- re- reluctant yeah. but genuine sale. Yeah. Them little lines are gone. Now it's, look what this thing's done, and <laughs> now it's your turn to go out and have a crack. Yeah. yeah but anyway, he, and by the way, here's the phone number to the late, late, the closest tilt tray where you're going. <laughs> you know, so, but anyway, but you know, builds are a big thing, and like we say, like we're sitting here at the moment at Coldy's um, down here at McGrath's Hill in Sydney, or on the outskirts of Sydney, and we thought, why not? We talk about it. that's what they do here. They, oh, do, you know, they do a lot more than that here, but they do do a lot of it. Isn't it? How good's this show? Around? It's one of my favourite parts of owning a four wheel drive is the build up. Mm. It's, uh, it's like planning a trip. It's just so yeah. much fun, you know. Planning a trip is sometimes is, yeah. Planning a trip's yeah, good. Well, like building your four wheel drive or accessorising it over mm. time and and yeah. putting all those things that you want on it. That's to me, that's just as much fun. And you don't have to go overboard. Just get what you need. Keep it practical. Just keep what you need. And everything I've got in mind is, is something that I use. Yep. You know, there's not stuff in there going, oh, well, I'll never use that. You know, yeah, it's well, just there I've, just in case. Well, I've mate, learned a lot over the years as well. And what, yeah. what, you know, when we first started doing the show, Fair Income, the old 60 series was loaded to the gunwales mm. with tools and things that we never used. Um, you know, admittedly, I, I had a contingency for just about any sort of situation. We had a bloke come up to us at, um, oh, where were we? Just into the Simpson Desert there. What's that spring? The name of the spring? The hot water? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. The middle block. Yeah, same. Anyway, we're in the car park there, and he's uh, he's seen the big tough dog stickers on the side of the car, and he said, oh, you wouldn't happen to have any bushes to suit this particular whatever it was. I think it was a Prado or something. 
And uh, it just so happened that I had a great big bag of bushes that I'd grabbed from Tough Dog, and there was some in there that worked. Yeah, right. So That was his lucky day. It certainly was. Yeah, 100%. But, but they'd been in there for two years, untouched by me. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you carry spares, depending on what you're doing. You certainly do need to carry spares uh, and extra things. I mean, I, we all do that. But, you know, don't go loading up with things that no. you will never use. Brady had hoses and belts, and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, spares are handy. Spares are real handy. Carry some spares, but uh, depending on what you're doing. I mean, you know, if you... You'll get help somewhere, but depending on where you're going. Yeah. I look, I, I, I think about now the stuff that's going to stop me. Mm. So if I split a radiator hose, that's going to stop me. If I lose a fan belt, that's going to stop me mm. because the alternator will stop spinning. You know, if I lose a shock bush, you know, I'll take the shock out. Mm. You know, unless it's in the front, but I'll carry some spare fronts because they're, mm. not, they're not heavy. Mm. You know, you just got to pick your little, your little bits and pieces and, you know, what's likely to cause you a problem. There you go, that's it. All right, well, here we are. We're sitting here at Coles. We'll probably wrap things up. I was just looking down here. Uh, it's got gift vouchers here. Coldy's gift voucher. How good's that? Oh, you know what to get me for Christmas, mate. That's yeah. great. Anyway, like you say, you've got some great gear in here. Look, if you want to know what we're talking about, and like I said, we are. Coldy's been a good mate of mine for a long time, and he's been a bit crook lately. And uh, I said to him, mate, why don't we just come down and do the podcast down at your joint this week? And he didn't know what I was talking about. No. Yeah, whatever. No. <laughs> he, he did know, but uh, no, he's all he's a, he's a good bloke. And I thought, yeah, we'll just come down and do that because I, what gave me the idea was the fact we did it last week at Wing Dang on the water. Yep. I thought, why not do it in a four wheel drive joint? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and do it in you know in a showroom. Well, we couldn't do it in the workshop because you had all the tools out there. No, and, that, that's where it is all happening. It is all happening out there. The boys are out there into it, and they, geez, they fit a lot of trays here. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. A lot of bull bars, a lot of trays. Yeah, he does a lot. He does a lot of trays. They do some really good auto sparky work out the back as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, like any good joint, you've got to book ahead because it's pretty busy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just ring the boys. And uh, there's a couple of boys here that book the jobs in. And look, there's a load of trays going onto a truck out there now. It's just amazing, really, how many trays that they build here and, and take it. Because you've got mobile service. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you've seen real the running around. Yeah, you've got plenty of Utes out there doing it. I've got trucks. They've got trucks they load here Monday. They don't come back until Saturday. Nice. Yeah, nice. where they just load them all up and they go out fitting all week, you know, in car yards and yep. and all that stuff and bull bars and tow bars and trays and a whole lot of different gear. So check out his website, coldies.com.au. We'd just like to thank Coldy too for letting him, letting us, allowing us to take over his... We're sitting at the front counter. Look, really, we've classed the joint up a bit, haven't we? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, he said customers walk in, take a look at us, so we've sort of in the way of it, but... But that's all right. Carly doesn't mind. He's out there now entertaining a couple of his fans. He's pretty well known in this area. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of an icon, really. He's been he around is, here for a long time. He's doing the windows. They look good. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, well, that'll do us for this week. Uh, we thank everyone for tuning in to the podcast. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook as well. Look for Rico on the Rico Facebook page. You can also check out the Duck page at the Duck Adventures. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, I think it's a duck off road. You on Instagram, Rico? You yeah, that, I'm on Instagram, mate. I also just launched a new um, new website as well. Yeah, what's what's the website, mate? Rico.com.au. So right. you can find out a little bit more about me and what I'm all about and where I've come from and what I've done. All right, we'll do that. Rico.com.au. You can check that out. And uh, like we say, make sure you check out our socials. We're always posting stuff up there. So uh, Anything you want to find out, you can check, find it all there. Look for the duck at the Duck Adventures and look for Rico Facebook page. And now, the website, Rico. You yeah. can check that out too. You can check out Blue Collar Media. There's a bit of great stuff on there. We put the podcast on there as well. So yeah, great place to go and grab the podcast links. Yeah, so you can do that and listen and listen to the radio show there as well. So you can check that out. One, check that one out. 
bluecollarmedia.com.au. In the meantime, Rico, I think that's just about us, mate. We're uh, going to head out. All right, mate, let's go check out that beer fridge in the back. Oh, mate, he's got a great beer fridge here, Coldy. That's if there's any left. It's going to be a bit late in the day. With a name like that, it'll want to be a cracker. All right, that is this week's edition of the uh, Red Dirt Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. This has been a Blue Collar Media production. If you want to, uh, if you see us somewhere out there, or if you want to catch us for the week, send an email quickly. Yeah, info at rickowntheduck.com.au. There it is. That is your email address. If you see us out there somewhere, make sure you come up and say good day. And while you're at it, while you're on that website, check out Coldy's. Coldies.com.au As Coldy walks in, he's finished doing the windows and um, he's just got to go. And his tongue looks a bit dry now. Great job on those windows, Coldy. <laughs>